podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews B.J. Gonzalvo, the author of Gift of Capua, the Filipino core value of shared humanity shared with all of humanity. B.J. Gonzalvo is a husband and father of two loving children, a psychologist, a veteran who served in the Navy and the Air Force, and son to two loving parents who immigrated to the U.S. from the Philippines in hopes of giving their children a better future. In return, he hopes to make his parents and his ancestors proud, so he earned a PhD in organizational psychology, authored books on culture, faith, and leadership, married a smart and beautiful wife, and is trying to raise God-loving children. He reflects and writes from the beautiful Pacific Northwest, often accompanied with the sound of rain, on matters of spirituality, culture, psychology, and work. His writings and reflections have appeared in Mind and Spirit magazine, Busted Halo, Positively Filipino, and Northwest Catholic. His most recent book is Lead Like the Saints, published in 2019 by Daughters of St. Paul. Meet BJ on saintlynest.com. Here is the interview with BJ Gonzalvo. In your own words, who is BJ Gonzalvo? Well, um, BJ Gonzalvo. So I am a husband, father. In my profession, I am a, an organizational psychologist. But I thought I might also cover my other um, titles or characteristics. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a veteran. I served in the U.S. military, proud to have served in the military. I guess it was part of my upbringing also. I mean, I I belong to a f- family tradition of uh, uncles and kind of like my ancestors serving in the military. So that's part of me. I'm also an immigrant to the United States. Came from the Philippines. I grew up in the Philippines. So I grew up there and that kind of shaped my identity uh, coming to the United States. Now I am um, a father to two wonderful kids, just trying to raise them, you know, according to how I was raised uh, to keep my ancestors proud. Keep my ancestors proud. What do you mean by that? I think that, um, I mean, just going to my parents, I mean, just I think they set the best example for just the family, you know, just the, that lineage. They sacrificed a lot 
as immigrants. Uh, you know, they gave up a good life in the Philippines so that they could give us a better life here in the U.S. I want to honor that. And well, I don't want to let them down first, but I, I really want to honor that sacrifice, what they've done for, for me and the future generations, uh, my kids, their grandkids, you know, just um, living life to the fullest, uh, uh, what they have dreamed for me. They didn't have specific dreams, but I know that they wanted me to have a better life. And so just trying to lift that out. What, where, and who is God to you? That, you know, that's really a, a very big question for me because in many ways, it's a big part of my life. I mean, religion, faith, spirituality, however you want to put it, I guess, it's all part of me. It's all part of my identity, my upbringing, my um, culture, I guess. And, and so it, it has shaped me and it has kind of um, driven me to do the things that I've done. I mean, the good things that I've done, especially. We pray all the time as a family. We try to connect uh, the gifts around us, like the people around us, the blessings, the food um, that nourishes us. And we just try to connect everything, especially, you know, this Thanksgiving, you know, we, we try to be grateful for everything that has come our way. Good and even like the not so good. We're thankful for those opportunities just to be alive and to experience God's love. I think it's all encompassing. It's all around me. So I guess when I hear that question, it's kind of hard for me to capture what God is or who God is. For me, it's everywhere. It's in everything that I do. What do you think the purpose of the human experience is? Going back to that earlier question, you know, my faith drives me. And so I see my purpose through those lens of faith. I think as, as human beings uh, and certainly as, as a person, I think the purpose of life, purpose of my life is to experience love, to experience not just joy, but also the sorrows, you know, the pain. I think they come together, perfect harmony, perfect balance, uh, joy and sorrow. Uh, and so to experience all of that, I think is a blessing. It's, and for me, I think it's our purpose to experience it, to feel it, and to have that opportunity to just, you know, breathe it in and then breathe it out and just, you know, inhale, exhale that cycle of life and just have that as a, that purpose to serve as uh, as our way to also reciprocate that love, that purpose of uh, experiencing love, but also to share that love with others. This is something that that I experienced with my family as a child is that I was loved, and now I just want to reciprocate that through my kids to show them love, and and then that kind of. Um, reciprocal kind of relationship, not just with my family, but with uh, extended family. And, you know, as we'll talk about later, about Kapwa, with others, are the people that we share space with. You also wrote a different book. So the book we'll be talking about is the most recent one that's titled Gift of Kapwa, the Filipino core value of shared humanity, shared with all of humanity. But you also wrote a different book before that, Lead Like the Saints. What an interesting title, as I mentioned before, uh, off record. What makes a saint? 
I'm Catholic, so there's the definition for a canonized saint, uh, meaning they go through the uh, formal process of getting canonized and recognized by the church as a saint. We have those saints to look up to, like St. Pope John Paul II, uh, St. Mother Teresa, uh, the saints of the, the Bible, like uh, you know St. Paul and those people. So we have them to look up to. I think in our everyday world, I mean, we also encounter saints, you know, not necessarily canonized, but, you know, in my own personal experience, I can classify some people or some friends or some some of my ancestors as, you know, saints. They try to live life to the fullest and they really try to keep the faith and they prayed all the time. They went to church all the time. They taught us the faith. Uh, to me, you know, they are saints. And my other question is, what is your definition of true leadership? True leadership. I mean, I think it's a very timely question now, too. I mean, you know, we have our struggles with finding true, reliable, good leadership. You know, in my book, Lessons in Leadership from the Saints, I really wanted to kind of turn our eyes towards the saints and find examples in in the lives that they lived in the path that they pursued. You know, in old English vocabulary, uh, lead comes from the word, it's spelled L-A-E-D, laed, which means to know the way. And so leadership really is essentially showing the way. But before we, we can show the way, we need to know the way. And the message of the gospel, you know, Jesus Christ is, the way, the truth, and the life. So he, he was, he's the way. I mean, and, and he showed it to us all the way to death. He was leading us. And the saints kind of followed that path, followed that way. And then they showed it to us as a path to follow. And that path is to holiness, to, to, to wholeness, to really to joy. I mean, the word holiness is kind of can be a troubling word, but really it's that sense of joy and sense of purpose. We follow that path. And so, you know, the saints essentially are pointing us because they've known the way, they've lived it out. They live joyful, happy lives. And so we have a lot of lessons to learn from them. And I think, you know, if we just try to get to know each of their lives, I mean, they were once, they, they were humans just like us. They had their struggles they had their sorrows, they had their joy. And in everything that they did to find joy is that they followed the path of their leader, Christ, who has shown them the way. And so I think there's a lot for us to learn from that. You know, if you just look at the the example of Mother Teresa, she was working in Calcutta, working with the poor, serving them and providing services to them. And journalists Malcolm Muggeridge, uh, who was covering Mother Teresa at the time, kind of saw that authenticity in Mother Teresa. And so he wanted to discover for himself, where's that source of joy and source of kind of energy that Mother Teresa was drawing from, source of joy and hope and love. And so he, Malcolm Muggeridge, kind of, you know, looked for that same source and eventually, you know, converted to the same faith. And so, you know, in that sense, you know, Mother Teresa had shown leadership in a very authentic way. That's funny that you say that because I had another guest who said the same thing. 
I think he's a business leadership coach. And I asked him for some examples of leaders. Um, and they, he mentioned her, Mother Teresa. Yeah. Her group, the Missionaries of Charity, grew uh, rapidly because people saw, you know, people just wanted to follow her. And so her group just grew exponentially in a short time. And, you know, they're still doing the work, even though she's long gone. Um, they're still doing her work, continuing her mission. So true, BJ. So in a way, these people, what they bring to earth is a message of truth, of essentially love, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Truth. And it's all bundled together. You know, truth, love, joy, hope, they tend to all go together. Uh, so 2020, all the challenge that we have faced and we are still facing challenges and chains. What lessons have you learned from 2020? It really is kind of hard to find a silver lining to all of this, <laughs> yeah. especially as we are going through this process. But I think, you know, the one thing that I really learned is to keep the connections, to stay connected. It is wonderful. You know, 2020, we have the technology for staying connected. You know, I, I can't imagine what, they, I mean, the, the Spanish flu of 1918, I don't know what they had in terms of trying to stay connected, but we have the virtual technology. Uh, we've come a long way to really refine that technology, but we have it now. We're trying to stay connected to people. We have social media. Uh, I think it's really redefined how we use social media. You know, um, it has a lot of potential for being put to good use to really connect to people, to really stay connected and really check in on um, the people that we care about. So that's one thing that I really discovered this 2020 is that how important our connections are, how important it is to maintain connection. You know, as an immigrant, we're far away from many of our relatives. As Americans, we tend to move around a lot. United States is big. You know, we tend to move around a lot. We get separated. But it is very important to keep the connections. I think it's one of the realizations that that came to me. You know, check in on people, make sure that they're staying emotionally and mentally healthy. Another thing that I learned in this 2020 is that opportunity gave us to look inward, to look into our interior lives, our inner lives, and really examine closely our spiritual and inner lives. I think before the pandemic, we were just kind of living this fast-paced racing from one meeting to another or one activity to another. I mean, I was busy. I volunteered, you know, as a choir member. Um, I volunteered as um, a lot of church volunteer activities. It was good for me um, spiritually and, you know, in my faith, but at the same time, it was tiring and exhausting. 2020, I think I just had to look at it as an opportunity to really slow down and re-examine things. And I, I think we were doing that a lot too. As a society, we were looking back. I mean, you know, we reflected on a lot of the shows that we were watching in the past, a lot of the activities that we were doing in the past and how we missed them. I think it gave us the, that opportunity to really to just pause and look back and see the trajectory that we're on and see where we're going in the future. And hopefully, you know, 
we get some lessons out of this and uh, not just a society, but as, a, as on the personal level, on the spiritual level. What is the meaning of freedom to you, BJ? What is to be free? My definition of freedom is going to be shaped by my experiences and, and my um, upbringing in the faith. Freedom is a sense of having joy and finding meaning. I guess in religious tradition, you know, the opposite of freedom is basically prisoners to our sins. Things that kind of give us angst and give us um, pain and sorrows. So for me, the opposite of that is uh, well, freedom and joy and happiness and knowing who we are and what our purpose is. I think there's a sense of freedom in that. So let's talk about Kapwa. What is Kapwa? It's a very common word that's used in Filipino language. It's commonly used to refer to others, like our neighbors, our people in the streets that we run into, the strangers. As Kapwa, what happens when you use it too much, or you, you know, uh, when it's commonly used, when it's a, it's part of everyday vernacular, it kind of loses its specialness, if that's a word. It loses its sacredness. I mean, to me, I see the word kapwa as sacred, and so for me, I had to kind of relearn this because, you know, like like I said earlier, I grew up in the Philippines, so this was part of the culture that I grew up in. You know, I see other people as kapwa, and. I had to revisit that because I kind of, it wasn't in, in my um, everyday interactions in the States. And so I kind of longed for it, you know. When I um, revisited that word, I where it came from. Uh, so kapwa, in a sense, really is comes from two words. Ka is, is a very common word that means, um, kind of denotes connectedness. The other word, pua, it means space. So in essence, it's, uh, we're sharing space. It's our shared togetherness. It doesn't have to be just you know, the shared space in the home or uh, in an office or whatever, but I think it extends to the shared space if you really wanted to think about it. I mean, shared space as in like the earth, you know, our shared, this earth is our shared space. For me, Kapwa is something that has shaped me it has shaped the way that I think, the way that I act, the way I interact with other, other people. It really is a core value of the Filipino culture. Psychologists um, in the Philippines use it often because they know that this is so essence to Filipino culture that um, they really have to understand what it means. And so uh, psychologists have defined it as uh, our shared togetherness, shared humanity, and even our shared inner self. One way to put it is, you know, the way I see me is the way I'll see others uh, because we have that shared connectedness. Is the idea of practicing or being or seeing others as kapwa, would that be seeing the other as ourselves? I think in essence, yes. You know, because we have a shared humanity. It goes beyond our skin color or gender or whatever. Um, I, I think we have that shared humanity. In my framework of um, Christianity, as a child of God, I see others as as children of God as well. I would see you as a child of God because the way I see myself is, you know, how I would treat others. And I think um, 
the golden rule, I mean, I think, you know, treat others as you would have yourself treated. There's truth in that. I guess before I ask you these questions about how do we manifest this truth, that for me it is a truth, but how do we express that more in the world? Um, I'll save that question for a moment. Before that, what do you think prevents us to see this truth, to live in such a way? Yeah, I mean, I think um, a lot of things can prevent us from seeing that. I mean, for me, I, I struggle with that myself. How do you see that driver that just cut you off on the freeway uh, as Kabwa, as, as a <laughs> yes. human being, you know? <laughs> yeah, It's a struggle. But I go back to Mother Teresa, you know, uh, I just love the stories of Mother Teresa. She went to, a, I guess, give a talk at a prison. And so she's looking around, looking at all the prisoners, you know, with their mean look, you know, and tattoos on their on their necks and, and their heads. And she just goes and, you know, says that I see Christ in them. You know, to me, that is very powerful. It's one profound way to see things. I keep asking that question to some of my guests. What are the obstacles? Why do we tend to to choose to see the other as others and judge them. Would you say that judgment is um, one way to know that we are away from that truth when we begin to judge others? I think you're right. I mean, we do have a lot of prejudice and it's probably human nature, you know, that we have a need to discriminate. We have a need. I think we're created that way, you know, in, in Ancient times, you know, how do we discriminate a lion from a friendly cat? You know, I think we have to to be able to discern the difference there for our survival. And I think we've carried that on to our relationships. But I think we have to to be able to to discern that. I think we have to be aware that we do have prejudice and we have to recognize it. You know, again, Mother Teresa, she has a quote that uh, if you're judging others, then you don't have time to love them. Mm, so true. Yeah, so true. The first step, I think, is to recognize, clear out that obstacle, that clear our lens and make sure that uh, that obstacle is not there to, so that we can see who that other person really is. I think that's when it gets eliminated that they are a child of God, you know. So it takes work. I mean, I know it's difficult. It's not easy for me. <laughs> sure. And, and, you know, I believe in practice. I believe in, um, it may not be perfect right away. You know, I, you know, if somebody cuts me off in the freeway, I might not react in a loving way right away, but it takes practice. And I think, um, you know, small steps, small wins, maybe the first time somebody cuts me off, I just back off and do nothing. And that would be a small win. And then, you know, just keep practicing it. Another question I have for you is what propelled us, what makes us, drives us to dive within, to go into these deep understandings about life and, and live this way? Do you think that it takes suffering? It always does, or sometimes just a moment of awakening, of deep awareness? I think, you know, for me, I mean, 2020 has uh, been a moment of suffering in many ways, in many different ways. The connections and the activities that we're not able to do at this time, 
I think, you know, for a lot of people that's suffering, um, I know some people are suffered loss, other ways of um, suffering such as health problems and stuff. In my personal view, I mean, I think um, this kind of global thing, I mean, you know, it's a global pandemic gives us the opportunity to really look at um, where we are as a humanity. And I think um, it's given us the opportunity to really dive in and really examine not just our society, societal lives, our culture, especially our individual selves, our spiritual relationships with other people, with our surroundings, with, with our earth, not only the people that we share space with, but the, the space that we share with other people, and which is the earth. Um, when we're too distracted with so many things, so many meetings, so many activities, you know, before the pandemic, like for me in my life, there's so many distractions. But now, last eight months or so now, it has given me the chance to bond more with my kids, you know, play more. They've become my best friends now, you know, yeah. uh, you know, just that opportunity just to, to really spend more time with them. And so I think that it's given us a lot of opportunities that I think we really have to look at it that way um, and, and take advantage of it. And we're almost at the end, but I do have another question for you about your country, the Philippines. What are some other concepts, beliefs, and values that you chose not to forget? That's a really interesting question because it goes back to Kapwa, which is really the core value, one of the core values. And I think a lot of the other values stem from it. Like we have this value called Bayanihan. It's another word that's really hard to translate because it doesn't have a word-for-word English translation, but it basically means coming together to help one another. In my upbringing, the image that comes to mind when I think of Bayanihan is this house. This, well, this, this house that's being carried by people living in the village, being carried from one place to another. And so they're coming together to carry this house, move it to a different spot. And so to me, that's uh, Bayanihan, you know, helping one another, especially now with the the two big typhoons that came. I mean, I think people just came together and really to really support one another and help, you know, get them out of um, harm's way. You know, it stems from the belief that we are sharing this space, that we're in this space together, that I see myself in you, that this could happen to me, you know, that I could be the one in your shoes um, getting impacted by a disaster or whatever. Just that expectation that people will come to your aid. By any hands, one, uh, one of the values that I see stem from that, uh, just also the faith, I think. You know, Catholicism has been there for hundreds of years, and it has shaped Filipino psyche in so many ways, many profound ways. And I think just um, just seeing the faith and seeing others, you know, as children of God, I think is uh, one value that I would not want to forget. Connectivity, sharing space. I love the way you say that, sharing the land, right? That makes me think about the um, Aboriginals, the Indigenous people, too. That they used to live this way, very connected. 
to Earth? I think the Aboriginals in many different countries, not just the Philippines, but in other countries, I think they have a sense of deep connection with the land, with the animals, you know, that they shared space with. And there's, I think we have a lot to learn from the Aboriginals and just to maintain that connection with the land, the sacredness of the land uh, that provide us um, yeah. food. I mean, it is. It just makes sense, right, PJ? It's not even a complex philosophy or the highest spiritual teachings. It actually makes a lot of sense to the ego mind itself because we don't want to destroy ourselves by not doing that. Coming to the States as an immigrant, there's that sense of, you know, you're farther away from poverty. You're farther away from seeing where your food comes from because it's right there. You know, there's fast food right there and you just have to drive through and get it. Uh, and so that kind of drives me farther away from realizing where, where my food comes from, the blessings, you know, the bounty, God's bounty, where it comes from. Yeah, I, I think the the lessons to be learned from the Aboriginals are just immense. And I think they're just waiting there, you know, for us to really gather them and learn from them. Yeah. I have been hearing that a lot recently, knowing where the food comes from, just being more grateful and appreciative of the everything that we put in our bodies and learning more about what we are eating. So that's another interesting, even the animals, for those who eat animals, um, to learn more what they've been through before they died. So that goes back to the idea of uh, connectivity that you talk about with Kapwa, with the uh, Aboriginals and their respect um, for all living things, especially the land. Yeah, so how fantastic that we are bringing this back. <laughs> it could be in a small way, but I don't think that this kind of message is never really small. And I really appreciate that you're doing that, just bringing this to life again and it might be what I'm trying to do with this work. Hearing the same messages from everyone that I talk to, their life is about love, it's about connectivity, it's about coming together. Thank you for your message. Thank you. Well, I'm, and I'm happy to contribute this way. I, I know you're gathering the stories and thank you for doing that because these are stories that uh, really need to be gathered and told and shared. So I have a few more questions for you. Before I ask them, would you like to add anything? Like I said earlier, I just want to thank you for bringing these stories together. And I think that's what we need more of. Is we need to hear these personal stories. I do a lot of data analysis. The data, the numbers, sometimes they don't paint the bigger picture. I think we need to hear the stories that kind of bring it all together. And, you know, the personal stories, especially, because I think each personal story, each person has a story to tell. And I think they're really worth gathering and, and looking into. So I have uh, three questions for you, the final ones. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? It's a moving target, right? <laughs> for me, there's really not one definition of success. I think for me... And it's probably on your website, it's joy. Success to me is joy. But then how do you define joy? Where do you even find that kind of joy? It seems to be this elusive kind of thing. But I think it's there. It's there for us waiting to be grasped and just kind of looked at. 
you know, for me, success is having a joyful family. And it's right here. It's mm-hmm. right here in front of me. Mm-hmm. Something that I don't need to pursue, but it's something that I just kind of have to grasp because it's right in front of me. And to me, you know, that's success. You know, talking about Kapwa, just realizing how connected we are, our shared connections, our shared humanity. I think for me, that's success because we all have our own personal goals, personal dreams and achievements that we want to be able to pursue. It's in our society. Society tells us, you know, be a successful doctor, lawyer, whatever. Those are great individual goals for success. But I think what gets drowned out in that messaging is the relationships. I know in my culture, there's a strong emphasis on relationships. I wouldn't be successful. I wouldn't be where, where I am if not for my, my ancestors, you know, their dreams, the paths that they paved for me. And so I cannot look at my individual success mm, yeah. without looking at that bigger picture. True. So two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Wow. Um, you know, that's certainly something that uh, I think has crossed people's minds, especially now with COVID-19 and that, you know, a lot of people are dying. And I think it's crossed people's minds uh, and, you know, it's kind of front and center in many people's lives. And so it's an important question, you know, and I hear it a lot, you know, live today as if it's your last and yet, you know, here we are with our insurance coverages and next year. So I think it's a tough balance. And I shouldn't say tough balance, but I think it's a joyful balance. Because I think, yes, we can plan for the future, like way ahead. Uh, we can plan for next year. We can plan for our retirement and stuff. Um, we can plan for all those big things, you know, the big major events of our lives, but without losing sight of what's in the present moment, what's here with us at this moment. My kids, you know, they're not going to be young forever. Um, I know they're going to grow old. They can move out of the house. and But in, I just want to enjoy their presence at this moment, you know, especially now with being locked down. Just enjoy that little that everyday moment, you know, preparing their lunch. I have to get to a meeting, but I have to prepare for their lunches. And, you know, so it's kind of that juggle, but enjoy it and live that moment, you know, and just be grateful as I, you know, put that peanut butter on their sand, on, on their bread and just really enjoy that, uh, savor that moment that, hey, I get to do this now for my kids and and um, relish it. So for me, I think it's, getting too caught up on planning for their college or whatever, but just relishing that moment. I mean, it doesn't hurt to plan for their college and which, which, you know, I, that's something my wife and I think about all the time. We're planning for their college and their future, but at the same time, you know, let's enjoy this, get on the floor and just roll with them and play and, you know, just laugh and, and just be joyful. So true that the moment, yeah, being more present, right? Because joy is right here. 
I love that, the way you say it. Joy is waiting for us. So true. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of your guests, you know, I know they've put it in many different ways. And for me, you know, it gets personal, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. And we all have our personal stories for how we express that joy and how we find that joy. And so I'm just thankful for this opportunity that I get to share how I find my joy and how, um, and hearing from other, from your guests, you know, how they find their joy. What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? That That's tough to answer, especially yeah. with uh, COVID-19. Hopefully the vaccine's on the way and hopefully things will get better and all that stuff. But three things in life, to be certain, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think, uh, you know, just that we're all connected. I, I think that's not going away. And we just really need to realize it and just realize that we have a shared humanity. It doesn't matter what skin color or, you know, here in the States, race is a big issue, you know. So I, I think we have to realize that we have a shared humanity. I think the pandemic has kind of revealed to us that we have a small space. Uh, I mean, the COVID cases are rising in uh, many different places. And so it shows us that we are very connected. The little things that we do are going to have an impact on the bigger picture. And so I think um, that's kind of enlightening. You know, the things that I do here in my small space is going to impact the bigger space. And so as a shared humanity, I think we have to realize that we have this one small space that we share, you know, in terms of like nature and, you know, the trees and all that stuff. I think really have to realize that uh, we share space not only with people, but with other blessings from God. And so I think we just have to realize that shared connectedness there. So that's one thing. That's the, the connection. The other thing is, I think it's also connected to the first one, the gift of faith. You know, just realizing that we are all creations of one powerful God. And I think... um yeah, I think that kind of brings us together and realize that I don't think it matters if you're Christian or Buddhist or Hindu or Muslim or whatnot. But I think that having that faith that we are a child of God and that I see you as a child of God, you know, or I see others as a child of God, I think is going to be a powerful thing to realize. The third thing that I think um, here that's real is also our spirituality, which I think is different from faith. I think, yes, we have our faith in God. One aspect of that is um, that we have that spirituality, which is um, kind of gets illuminated when we kind of see our connectedness and our faith in God, and then our spiritual being, where we're able to fully express our joy and really realize what you talked about earlier, the freedom that we are free, that there's that sense of freedom that comes with realizing our inner selves. You know, I think you mentioned it before that in one of your episodes, love yourself. And I think it starts there. You know, I think um, you can't love others if you can't really love yourself and really appreciate that you see yourself as a child of God. You know, I think that loving self is... um, it's a necessity. 
Thank you so much, BJ, for your presence, your loving, genuine presence, your powerful message, for sharing your story, your wisdom. Thank you. I have one more question, but this is a technical one. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? I'm on Facebook. Just look up St. Linus, but it's spelled S-A-I-N-T-L-Y-N-E-S-T, as in Saintly Nest. Also have a website, saintlynest.com. Also on Twitter, the same kind of spelling, St. Linus. And you'll find my tweets and information about my upcoming book, Gift of Kapla, on those pages. Wonderful. I'll have those links also on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about BJ Gonzalvo and his work, please visit saintlynest.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.